One May morning I chance for to roam And stroll through the fields by the side of the grove It is there I did hear the harmless birds sing And you never heard so sweet And you never heard so sweet The birds in the spring At the end of the grove I sat myself down And the song of the nightingale echoed all around Her song was so charming, her notes were so clear No music, no songster no music, no songster. No music, no songster can with them compare. All you who come here, the small birds to hear, I'll have you pay attention, so pray all draw near. And when you're growing old, you will have this to say That you never heard so sweet That you never heard so sweet You never heard so sweet as the birds in the spring Greetings, mortals. Welcome to Heimdall's home. This is Celtic God speaking. Uh, that was a lovely sing-in by uh, Eat, Bake, Sing, The Birds in the Spring. Check her out on YouTube. With us today is Ike, the Antlered One Nosp, Hans Hugern, and Miobi has joined us today for today's show. Uh, today's episode, if you haven't noticed, is called um, Spring Celebrations. So, how's everybody do doing today? How you doing, Ike? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm in a uh, upbeat mood. Yes, Hans. Oh, I'm all good as well. Did some exercises in the sun earlier. I'm enjoying the season change. And Miobi? Hey, everybody. I'm so happy to be back. I was away for a couple weeks, but here I am. Yay. <laughs> Hope everybody's doing well today. So what you've been doing the last couple of weeks as we uh, helped fill in with the uh, Sisters of Eos show? Well, some stuff changed with my job, so I was a little busy with that, kind of adjusting to some new duties I have and whatnot and meetings and all that fun stuff. And then yes. stuff around the homestead, you know, we're getting ready. It's it's The weather's still not 100% spring-like yet, but we have a lot of work to do, more than we realized, and both our sons are now working full-time, so it's like we're just trying to juggle everything, And but we're getting there. <laughs> well, and I saw, um, I, I didn't see if you have them up on your store yet or not, but you did share that you guys made uh, some boxes, uh, the main man made some boxes, you painted them, and they're the, the perfect fit for the Hilltop Homestead mug. Um. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so you guys are working on stuff like that as well. And uh, you, you told me that it's not quite springtime enough yet to, for you guys to plant yet. 
No, probably not until after Mother's Day. That's when I think it's going to be the last frost date. We should be safe. But we have our some of our seeds started, and our local nursery is going to be opening up next weekend, so we'll be getting some more stuff there. And it's all good. We're excited. <laughs> so this is the difference between just a few hundred miles north to south, folks, because there's people that's a few hundred miles south of where Miobi and her homestead is that's already got planting started and maybe even already have it all planted versus in the north it is actually just now starting to get good and into spring for you guys where the the yeah. snow's mostly gone if not all gone um i believe you're in your fourth season the mud season uh yeah we're kind of <laughs> we're kind of getting there i don't know we still had we had snow the other day it wasn't a lot it was just flurries but it's just been winter's just really hanging on this year so well, and it was kind of crazy here because be. <laughs> it's kind of crazy here. A few days ago, might have been last week. Now I don't know, but it was fifty degrees out and snowing in Michigan. It was crazy. Yeah, it's just the weather's just insane this year everywhere. I think it's it's something that I would not expect. Fifty degrees and snowing. Obviously, it wasn't yeah. sticking with it being fifty degrees, but the fact that there was snow in the air was just it blew my mind. Hmm. Almost like summer and winter aren't uh, shifting as easily. They're yanking at each other's hair yeah. right now, saying, no, it's my turn. <laughs> no, it's still yeah, exactly. my turn. You bitch, you're ugly. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's how girls fight. That, at least from the outside looking in, that generally that's what it looks like. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we're here to talk about spring celebrations. Um you brought up a specific one before when we was trying to decide what we was going to talk about, which was Beltane. But I, I decided just to call it Spring Celebrations because, um, uh, one, we do them instinctively. And, and the other is they might have different names in different areas. And we actually have a lot of springtime celebrations <coughs> where, <coughs> like Yule, for instance. <clears throat> As density to be Yule, um, it might be called different names, but we effectively do the same thing everywhere. And it's like a a block of time where we do, within that block, we will do these very specific things. Like early December to early January. Like yeah, usually, yeah. Period. Where springtime, it's like a nonstop celebration. We might stop uh, here for a week or two to do things. And now we just start back up again. And, well, we'll call it something different because we had to stop for a couple of weeks. So now we need a new name. Um so in springtime, in every place, there's so many springtime celebrations. And uh, we've been starting to walk more now that you can walk on the sidewalks. And I've noticed that people are doing um, some of the instinctive celebrating, whether they realize it or not. Um, when you're having people come over to your house and you have a, a uh, barbecue or you're, you're grilling out with friends and family, and you pull out a radio and then people's messing around with each other and playing and singing. That is a small-scale celebration, but it's still a celebration. And why are they doing it? You can stop and ask anybody why you're doing it. Well, it's nice out. It's spring. Uh, we'd rather be outside enjoying the spring air than inside not enjoying it. So that's kind of a seasonal celebration, even if they don't have a particular name for it, besides it's springtime. Anybody else yeah, can jump it's in? in? It's instinctive, like you, like you were saying. I think that 
And, and I think Hailstorm and I had talked about this before, too, that just, you know, you have that feeling of renewal when spring comes around, when the weather gets nice. And even if you don't do, like, a, like you were saying, like a specific celebration or celebrate a specific holiday, you just have that desire to be outside and, you know, light a fire and, you know, play music and cook food. And it's just, yeah, it just kind of happens. You don't even have to really plan it or give it much thought. Well, and then real, hello, and, and, everyone. Oh, hailstorm man is hey, joining us. Hailstorm. I hey, thought guys, that. Sorry, I'm late. <laughs> I thought that you'd still be sleeping because I know Canadians like to sleep like half the day away. <laughs> I wish that was the case. <laughs> Hibernating. <Hi>, <laughs> everybody. Hello to our audience. Good late year, hibernate. <laughs> Can that be a thing? Yes, please. <laughs> How's your weather, Hailstorm? Um, it is pouring rain out and cloudy. It is balmy and sweaty like in Florida, except for in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> it kind of amazes me because you're on the um the west end uh, about as west end of uh Canada as you can get, I think. Um and it's actually warmer there than it is here in general. Correct. It is. And you're further it's north. It's very temperate here. And, and you're even further north. So <clears throat> I, I was laughing because everybody tries doing this. They'll get that, the global map. And they'll be like, look at these latitudes. It is the same in Michigan as it is in Spain. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's not even the same in Michigan as it is in Canada on the other end of the continent. It's true, because you can't really go by latitude. It doesn't mean much in terms of weather weather patterns. You know, yeah. you can have, like, one town and the next town over, and they have, like, two separate microclimates. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. That's very but, true. And what's the difference? One is up on a hill, and the other one's in a valley. Exactly. It, it can literally be something that small. Terrain matters. <laughs> Well, and in a lot of cases too, um, uh, because you're, you're actually you actually have the ocean right where you're at. Um, yes. So the the ocean currents, even if it's a cold ocean, <coughs> brings warmer weather with it. Versus it does being we, away we from the ocean. We have this weird thing where you have currents coming up from Mexico, so sometimes it's really warm, and other times you get currents and storms coming down from around Alaska. <laughs> And then it gets really cold. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Go figure. Uh, but for the most part, it's somewhere in the middle, usually. Well, and as, as far as comparing the Americas to Europe, too, um, the, the mountain ranges actually play, take effect into, um, into the weather. Because in, the, in the, the Americas, the two major mountain ranges, the Rockies and the Appalachians, they run north and south. In uh, Europe, you got the Alps, and I can't remember what the other one is called, but they run east and west, which drastically changed the way that the weather works. Because the way that the, when they run, when the mountains run north and south in America, they they work kind of um, as a wind block. So the, the the warm air from the ocean currents has to go up the mountain, gets cooled at the peaks of the mountain, and then it comes down over the mountain, cooled. And it also channels uh, cold air that comes in from the north from the ice caps. Now, in Europe, they run east and west, which funnels the, 
the warm ocean currents east and west. Which is why in Europe you end up with some areas that's just ridiculously warm um, across the board, east to west. Uh, or rather, that's why their temperature has tends to run east and west, ours, or north and south, uh, whatever. Um, but that's the reason why the weather works the way that it does in Europe. It's because the, the mountain ranges actually channel that warm air across as opposed to blocking it off. And uh, north of whatever that northern mountain range is, I can't remember the name of it, um, it has tends to actually be colder in Europe. Which country are you talking about? Maybe I can... I wasn't talking I about was... a specific country. I was talking about the continents. So the, Europe, uh, the continent of Europe and the continent of America, the weather patterns actually work very differently because of the direction that the uh, mountain ranges run. So what's that? The, the mountain range in the north of Europe runs east and west. Uh, the Alps? Yeah. Is, is it the Alps that's in the north? Which one's in the south then? I thought that was the, uh, Alps. the Alps. The Alps are in the, the south, Alps. I think. <laughs> the Alps, that's, uh, you know, bordering on uh, Italy. Okay, um, that's what I thought. So I had the right one and Ike had the wrong one. Well, I'm uh, just... But what's the one that's in the north? There's plenty of mountain ranges. There's the, there's <laughs> the Alps, there's the Pir Pyrenees. Pyrenees. I think it's the Pyrenees what about the mountains the about. mountains? Don't those ones run north and south? Because I know that you have the Caucasus Mountains. No, I'm thinking the Caucasus Mountains. Oh, no, I have to pull okay. up the map. Because I know the Caucasus Mountains run north and south. But then there's two other mountain ranges that run east and west on Europe proper. Mm, mm. Well, you have those, yeah, Carpathian Mountains, like Hill said, perhaps. The ones who, uh, what is that, bordering on Poland? Uh, they are yeah. Poland all the way to Bulgaria. Kind of split Russia off from the rest of Eastern Europe, too. At least yeah, that's the north and south one that I was talking about. Basically, you guys have mountain ranges that form a box for the bulk of Europe. But anyways, it's because of the mountain ranges. It, it has tends to be warmer in Western Europe than it does in, in the Americas. And people will draw, uh, look at these lines on the map that run um, on uh, the laterally, and they'll think that the weather matches up. Well, we're further south, I think, even than England. And England, it never snows, but it snows every year here. Or, sorry, it does snow. Once every fucking ten years doesn't count. Um, you know, we'll be waiting butthole deep in snow every year, where England, that's not the case. And they're further north. So it's not just, uh, uh, it's not just lines on the globe that matter. It's environment, period. So it looks like... What's your elevation? Where are you at? Uh, are you close to the ocean? Are you far away from the, from the ocean? Is the, is the air currents pumped in or pumped in and channeled and boxed in? Or do they, are they blocked off and have to climb over mountains and get cooled off before they come back down? Yeah, there's a great multitude of factors taking place. Well, there are... Um Two, it looks like two major uh, mountain ranges in the north of Europe. There's the Ural Mountains, or Ural uh, Mountains in uh, Russia, and then there's just the Scandinavian Mountains. Right, well, yeah, because he's got a, a, a 
map of the major mountain groups in uh, Europe up, up on his computer screen right now. And I see why it's warmer there is because from, as the air comes in from the, uh, from the ocean, it actually gets channeled into a box. Yeah, you base swirl around, which is probably why most of Western Europe is warmer in general than like Midwestern, um, Midwestern America and the middle part of Canada. Well, and they also have the Mediterranean, and then they have the North Sea, and then they have the Atlantic, and then they've got two more seas, which I think are the Black Sea, and I can't read the other one. Um, but we have the Great Lakes, but it's um. But really, it seems. Uh, for the the UP gets ridiculously cold. Like you even just go up into Canada, just a few miles north of there, all of a sudden it gets warmed up. But with uh, with the UP, what it is, it's a very narrow strip of land planted firmly in the middle of three giant ice cubes in the winter time. So that's why that area gets so cold. But you go a little bit north, a little bit south, all of a sudden it warms up. So environment matters. You can't just Look on the map, people, and say, oh, this is what the weather's like there. It doesn't work that way. But uh, that the reason why I wanted to bring that up is because it just shows that spring is different in different areas. You might even be on the same latitude, but springtime might be different for, um, for um, Miobi, who's in Maine, versus springtime uh, for... Violet, or yeah, for Violet Hailstorm, who is in Canada, which is further north but further west. Springtime is by what is nature doing? That's not a date on the calendar. Well, and I think that's one thing that uh, people tend to forget about True. about spring is that I mean we did go into a kind of a spiral, but there was a reason for it. It was just a highlight. You can't go by the calendar, and you cannot go by latitudes. You have to actually look outside and see what the weather's doing. You can't go by calendar either. Yeah. <laughs> That's true, and I've been talking to some people, you know, about different pagan celebrations and, for, you know, for different holidays and times of the year. And I've, I've found that a lot of people don't necessarily go by the calendar. They kind of go by, again, what they instinctually feel is the right thing to celebrate. And I, I kind of like that idea because like you were saying, you know, the weather's so unpredictable and, you know, we're all in different places. We all have kind of different lifestyles too. So I, I kind of like that idea of it not having to be so stringent about when you celebrate. You just kind of do it when it feels right. And that I think is also a reflection of our connection to nature because we're gonna renew in the spring when we see nature renewing and that right. shows our connection and that's when we're going to want to celebrate well whatever noticed, that might be <laughs> right and i've noticed people that are newer to um newer to returning to the the ethnic faith to the ethnic ways um at first they grab a hold of these calendars <coughs> which i understand why they do that i know spring is on this day so we must celebrate spring regardless of what the weather is saying outside and the thing is, it is true in some cases. Like, uh, what are the the big ones? It's the solstices. Yeah, that's uh, the longest day and the longest night. Yeah, that, that's, right. That's kind of a thing, no matter where you are on the globe. Um, so, yeah, those are on on specific days. But as far as seasonal celebrations, like when is spring? When when does summer actually begin? When does it turn fall? Is there even a fall? 
all of these things now become very regionalized. And that's part of like when people were doing Easter because I think I was the one of the few pagans that didn't do Easter on um, Easter on uh, the spring equinox, right? Which is not actually Easter. People like think it. It's a. It's not the actual spring equinox because the actual spring equinox is not actually spring. It's when spring is starting. But if you think about it, you'd want. Think about like March and when the spring equinox happened. It's not really a Easter celebration. There's a little bit of time left. Yes. That you still need to do. Well, and, and, and that just happens to be where we are. Yeah, it might have actually been before the equinox if you go down to like Alabama. Tennessee. Yeah, Tennessee, Alabama. Um, but it's... then again, when we're doing spring here in Michigan, because our weather, or when we're doing Easter here in Michigan, and the part of Michigan that we're in, because people need to understand just how big these states are. They're just massive. Um, you're you're still not ready to do it in um, in Maine. It, you're probably just now, maybe just past. I don't know because I'm not there, um, and I haven't been keeping up on the weather there. But um, <laughs> it, it might have just passed, or it might be just now, or it might be in a week. Would be when you do it in a natural natural setting if you didn't pay attention to the map in that way. Or not the map, the calendar. The calendar in that way. We wouldn't, none of us would be celebrating Easter at exactly the same time because different regions, and it's it's when the earth starts to wake up, so when the, the, the trees are starting to bud. Um, our, our trees here have been budding for a while now. Um, where they might just be starting to bud where you're at, and for all I know where um, hailstorms at, they might already have full-on leaves. Yeah, well, because, like, we were actually taking a walk, and I commented on it's odd, but I think the Christians got it right this year because all the signs of spring and uh, Easter were popping up. Well, there right was about. a couple days early, but still. Yeah, well, and Easter's a whole week, but but the day we actually, uh, it wasn't even Easter be that we did the main thing because on Easter we actually did the stream where we actually covered uh, this year with of holidays in spring. And then it was a few days later when we had the time that we went out and did something. And it actually felt extremely springy at that time. Mm -hmm. It was not too hot, not too cold. The water was running. The birds were singing. All those good springs. We've had times. sort of a, uh, a rustle between spring and winter here. It started off going into spring fairly early. And it seemed like full-on spring. And then it kind of pulled back for a week there. And it was back to winter. And then <laughs> it was back into spring. <laughs> It Same was thing like a happened here. War going on. <laughs> it's it like it's like the sisters was yanking each other's hair. Yeah. It's... Yeah, it must have been. I mean, now all the blossoms are out and the birds are singing, and it's just full on spring again with a bit of rain. <laughs> Amazing day that I have seen, and was only a few weeks back. It was sunny, then it hailed, then it was snowing. <laughs> then it was again, then it hailed again, then it was snowing. I am not joking. An entire day like that, without pause, and quite heavy snow even. The goddesses quite were having a knife fight all the way across the globe. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they were having a serious fight. <laughs> it's my turn. No, it's also, still my turn. <laughs> it's because it's... we've been asking, and <laughs> they uh, come in a tiff with uh, one another over it. Oh, that's true. Yeah, because in our particular group, we've been asking for it to stay cold, even though we don't really want it cold. But 
we want to stay cold to uh, basically put a serious pinch on um, on uh, the current environments, I guess. Because if nothing grows, everything is fucked. Well, I noticed that uh, our neighbors, uh, the Puerto Ricans, uh-huh. they pretty much disappeared for like the worst of the winter. Yes. And for a second there, I thought I just wasn't seeing them. But then, no, they all showed up again like in mid-February. Yeah. It's like they disappeared at like the end of December. Also, I just wanted to say like in terms of uh, the seasons, it's really just all about being in, in tune with your biospirit. I mean, really, calendars are unnatural to us. We should just pick them up and throw them away. I can't disagree, at least in the way we have them now. Because we did have a lunar solar way, but it's it's too bendy. Like the right. Even the leap year with the extra day really doesn't uh, fully fulfill fixing it. But um, yeah, like I, I've had uh, heathens straight up get kind of pissed at me when I point out that the days of the week are uh, they're not a thing. Like everyone will bring up that they're. they're I mean, they're, they are a thing. They're just not really a thing for us. Yeah, like, they are named after Saxon gods, I believe, is the group that the names for right. English. Well, in the Gregorian calendar, it's a thing because it physically exists. Yes. But it doesn't mean that everything that we do revolves around a Gregorian calendar. Yeah. Same as the seven yeah, days a week. That. It it's, does exist. Yeah. It's but, the way that it's used in, in modernity. Yeah, exactly. In a natural environment, we don't necessarily pay attention to days of the week. Yeah, it's it was borrowed from the Go Greeks. Go camping of, for a month. Yeah. It was borrowed from the Greeks and Romans, who themselves made it because they were too orderly. Like, the dead giveaway of this is the Greeks, they had their goddesses of the seasons, the ones that do the dance of the seasons. They became the goddesses, basically, of the calendar. Like, dental appointments. Effectively. <laughs> so goddesses you, of dental appointments. I mean, that's a, that's a bit extreme, but it, it goes to show how these things can be corrupted with civilization. People that don't really care about the seasonal changes, like when to plant, when to harvest. Well, and I, I think um, even with our own own in-group, our own personal set of friends, we've brought up, you know, we have a tendency not to really pay attention to the clock or to the, the calendar um, days of the week, for instance. And um, usually there's some kind of pushback on one or the other, if not both. Well, I always know what time it is. I always know what day it is. And then when situations arise where you don't have to know what time it is and you don't have to know what day it is, everybody forgets you might do Tuesday three days right in a row. I've done that before. Yeah. And, right. And the thing is, really, everybody has, but they just live in denial of of doing this because they do have to live by a regimen, uh, regimen, uh, regimented clock. You, you get up at this time, you go to work at this time, you come home at this time, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or whatever the days are, it doesn't matter. But you guys get the idea. Don't get hung up on specifics. Um, well, That's I don't work on Tuesdays or Wednesdays. Nah, I proved you wrong. No, you didn't. All you did was just shift the example. That's it. Um, but because of the work schedules, for instance, we have to pay attention. However, don't go to work for two weeks. Well, like uh, it's when we awesome, and then it's even it. worse. It's even worse when you get back because of it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But that's and then thinking that's about it, like, and that's kind of the that's kind of the point. Farm, 
Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, like if you have a farm, let's say, you know, it doesn't matter what day of the week it is. You still have to get up and take care of the, the crops and feed the animals. And it's like that's it, it doesn't matter. Days of the week, it's just like it's this construct that means nothing except for our modern society, you know? Right, yes. which is exactly the point that, um, Nature that I try to make all the time. Nature has time schedule. Right, exactly. Which is exactly the point uh, Ike tries to make with this whole Days of the Week thing. Are they named after the gods? Sure are, and were named after different gods in different regions once the calendar was in, uh, the calendar was introduced. But outside of that regimented thing, it, it really doesn't mean anything. Exactly, and it's... and they will argue with you tooth and nail over that for some reason. It's, they just got to cling to that notion. Well, and I know why. It's because a lot of modern heathens, what they'll do is they'll take the seven days of the week and they will... And I think this also was in, like, uh, Ron McVan's book uh, where he encouraged people to do, like, a, a daily uh, veneration of the god associated with the day. So people have... And here's the thing. It's a fair enough it, exercise. It's a valid thing if you want to do it. But... Thinking that these are ancient names for the days is inaccurate. The yeah. reason it lines up with the Roman is because it's based on the Roman. Right. Well, and the reason why I'd say it's a fair enough exercise to do is because it makes you consciously think about what you're doing. Precisely. And it's it, this is something that I think people need to understand. Just because it's new-er does not make it invalid. The fact that the days of the week are named after gods is true. <laughs> The fact that they're not ancient does not delegitimize them. It's just when you treat them as if they're ancient, now we're dealing with a different uh, kit and caboodle. Yeah, when you treat them as if they are everything or nothing. Because if you want to meet with me on Monday, uh, I don't know, uh, it's the first Monday in July. Um, it would be helpful if I actually showed up on the first Monday of July, not, you know, uh, the last Wednesday of of June and then say oh well he didn't show up and I leave it's, it so it does matter but it isn't everything just like we can't say when spring begins on a calendar because it just doesn't apply that way it, it does it for purposes of business well like but outside of that when it comes to to when you should celebrate uh, stick your head outside well, it's like when we, when the coof started, before I started working again, uh -huh. I, and before we had the podcast, because that somewhat regiments our days. Right. Um, days had bled into each other so much, I couldn't tell what day of the week, or even if we were still in the same month. Right. Well, and there, there's also times, even doing the podcast, I, I know that it's a podcast day, especially now that it's like pretty much every other day. Um, yeah, so I know it's a podcast day. But I don't know which one sometimes. Sometimes I have to actually pull up the calendar and look. Are, is, is this the Sunday show or is this the Thursday show? I don't know. Because I'm not interacting in the world like that. I'm bending all of my focus to the podcast, to the books, to the magazine, which is almost done. It's in the very final edits right now, I believe. Yes. Um, so that should be coming out soon. Uh, for the live stream viewers, I'll pull up the magazine cover again. So everybody can see that because it's absolutely beautiful. And that's just the cover, so that's what you'll see for the advertisement. It's uh, The artwork is by Wolf. But yeah, I lose track of what day it is. I know that i got to do this thing today, but I don't know what day it is, so then I might not know which direction to go. 
Well, that's like I always think I have more time than I do because, you know, a day is a day. You always think, oh, there's so many hours in a day and you can, I can get this done and I can get this done. And then you always underestimate, I always end up underestimating how much time something's going to take. And my habit of uh, finding more stuff I want to talk about in that one thing does not help. Yeah. Well, and then there's also the, the verse side of it. Like, you get away from uh, electronic devices, all of a sudden the days, uh, they stop flying by so much. Because, uh, and I think in part because you're not tracking the hours. Well, that's why, like, uh, a long time ago, before clocks and stuff were really common, pretty much it was be back by sundown. Yeah, we, we sun up to sundown. And then we had, like, high noon. Where's high noon? Look straight up, or if the sun is in an east-west orientation, you know where it comes up, you know where it goes down. When it's in the middle, that's noon. Well, it's like the sundial. The or, sun... or what's the old term? Midday? Yeah. Well, uh, like the sundial. I might be wrong here, but the sundial, you kind of have to fig It doesn't read the exact same way all the time. So like a different time of year. Well, every day it shifts. Yeah. Every day of the year. So it shifts 365-ish times. Because there's not actually 365 days in a year. That's why there's a leap year. Yes. It's 364 point, I think. Well, apparently they used to do yeah. leap months, which is very confusing. I yes. don't know how that happened. Sound like somebody in here knows a little bit more about calendars than I do, because I heard a mumble. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you're right about the leap year with the, the days. That's why we have the leap year because it's that, that little point amount of time. that It's not, you know, 24 hours even. But I've also heard this kind of, you could call it a conspiracy theory, I guess, like how, you know, people say like, oh, it seems like time goes by so fast that some people say it really does now. Like something happened to the earth that now the time has gotten it's sped up somehow. I don't know if you guys ever heard anything like that. I, I've heard, I, I've heard reference uh, people talking about that, but really, I think it has to do more with our view on society. Uh, it's not actually time, but the yeah. way that we are tracking things, the speed of communication. That we, we're living in a high stress situation, and also that we are so regimented in terms of time and schedule and a calendar how does that affect our perception of time as it passes it's very yeah. different it's uh, it's taught to us from a young age isn't it uh, like even as a, as a toddler essentially you're living by the the, the regiment the time regiment of your parents uh, let's for example say you have a job well that usually means that a certain part of your time essentially is taken out of the day and your parents are, for example they're off to work they're not with you for that time you might say well they're getting you know and then the whole story goes oh they're getting money so you can have a roof over your head and food and, and all that stuff yeah but they're still away that's still time taken away from your family being together that is a big deal a far bigger deal and and then you know very swiftly at the age of three or four let's say well now you you already have to live by certain regimes where you're in a classroom for eight hours a day five days a week all of that stuff um, 
and, and you just immediately are, are um, how would you call that? You're enrolled in the system that way already, already you know living by these artificial time frames that are then just taken for granted. Very few question that, and it is most unfortunate. It is. A, a bit of topic there, or <laughs> because to me that's I mean, it's it's just a means of control. Even the, the the that device, the clock itself. How many people really enjoy the clock? But whenever you look at it, well, it's 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 um. It amazes me how so many people get so sickened. You know, they get depressed, they get burned out, whatever it's going to be. Uh, because whenever they look at a clock, it's immediately associated with, I have to do X. And maybe if they're a bit lucky, oh, I can finally relax based on the hour of the day it is. Not based on the actual physical need for rest that you have. You're talking about people's physique here. And then, you know, be it or mental, uh, the mental necessity for those who are, for example, introverted and they have jobs that have to deal with a lot of people. There are introverts who need three days to recuperate, for example, from one, no, well, or from a day of social interaction. But the clock won't allow it. And again, who makes it, how is it possible for bosses to control the flow of their, um, the, the flow of their personnel again it's by the clock how do people get aid uh, get paid pardon me how do people get paid also again measured by the clock not by actual uh, service uh, uh, length so to say not by actual uh, results so to say but much rather by presence in and of itself there is something at least to me, something deeply sinister about the artificial way how we're all looking at time today. And it is certain, most certainly uh, on purpose. <laughs> Absolutely not an accident whatsoever. Yeah, sure, it evolved like this over the centuries, but there we are, you know. So, yeah. Um, Maybe I went a bit of topic with that or a bit of a tangent, I don't know. But to me that is something very important to, that we go back to, well, yeah, just look at look at weather patterns and start living by that. And you might say, well, how are you going to do that? Okay, fine, it's not easy. We're going to have, you know, people who want to do that in this point in time are going to have to go through a, a, a transition period. And it's yeah, it may be a little bit tough, but that's what you know. What Wilderholm's project, for example, is all about, right? It's so that we're not going to have to live by the clock anymore, but we're going to have to live by you know, just the rhythm of nature, the rhythm of the people involved, and perhaps yes, the rhythm of necessity. But the rhythm of necessity that fluctuates in and of itself as well. There may be days when you're going to only have I don't know six hours of sleep. But there are going to be days when you're going to have, I don't know, 16 hours of sleep if you really want to. It's um, rather than this regimented eight hours a day of just, you know, being at your job. And that's for the lucky people. Uh, yeah. Um, 
figured it's a bit important to bring that up as well. Right, and on that depressing note, let's uh, <laughs> let's go for a commercial break, and then we'll cheer everybody up when we come back. <laughs> but um, okay, so we're back. So let's talk about some of the stuff that we naturally do in spring. Like uh, I, I know people will start having outside get-togethers. Um, people will start having little fires out in their yard. Uh, the, the, the whole grilling and inviting people over, playing music. Uh, people start dragging out the, the games that we play out in our yard, whether it's, uh, what's that one with uh, the bean bags and you throw it at the tic-tac-toe board and they flip around, or uh, horseshoes in some areas, that's, that's a really popular game. Uh, bocce ball, that's one that they used to play when I was younger. It's yeah, that, that one's for pretentious pricks. It's literally just <laughs> throwing balls at stuff. Oh, no, that's for Italians now. Come on. <laughs> As I said, stop proving me right. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we get together and we start doing things. Uh, we, we start going outside and playing with the animals more, the, the, taking the kids outside, playing with them more. Uh, you know, if we have the ability to do that or, I don't know, you're human. Uh, but yeah, we, we start going outside and doing things. Um, uh, people in certain areas are starting. They're they're planting their flower beds if they don't already have it. Have them in the ground and and their their gardens and they're, they're, we just do so many things. Somebody else jump in and take this away. I mean, yeah, just the feeling of you know getting outside, even smelling like when you work in the garden, like smelling the dirt, getting your hands in the soil you know, kicking off your shoes and walking in the grass and, like you said, playing the music and being able to eat outside or, like, um, Main Man and I, we've been talking about camping outside, you know, in the yard this year once the weather gets warm enough and having fires and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Like, it just, you just have that feeling of rebirth again. Like I said before, it's just, it's just so wonderful. And, and it's all these little things that, it's not always a big giant celebration. It's all these little, these little kind of rituals that we do when the weather changes. Right, and it could be something as simple as, um, you, you notice now where people just go out and sit in their yard and listen to the birds. They put up bird feeders to, to encourage the birds to come into their yards and just listening to birds and, and whatnot. All of I'll these tell you what I want to do. All right. I want to go around the neighborhoods where I live, do a little tour, and just see everyone's garden. There are some just incredible gardens here that I've seen where they're just bursting with life. Like every imaginable plant and flower, and there's just these masses of so many different types of birds and squirrels and all of these animals. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go around the neighborhood and do a little garden tour. That's what I'm gonna do. I used to do that all the time when we lived in New Jersey. When you know we were in the suburban area, and I used to love like walking the dog in the spring because <laughs> I used to do that too. Like I would like kind of snoop and see everybody's gardens and get some ideas. And it was just it was always so cool to do every year when the weather. That's got nice. awesome. And you get into the mode where you kind of like compare them, like, ooh, like who's got more of this? And yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, I like the way they did that. I'm going to do that too, but better. 
Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you have that competitive nature, right? <laughs> yeah, that's it. It doesn't seem to matter what it's about. It can be anything. Oh, that's really cool. I like that. I'm going to do that too, but I can do it better. <laughs> well, and for anyone who doesn't know, CG's currently showing off uh, screenshots of the magazine. Um, this is the kind of stuff you get on the live show, so podcast listeners... Sorry we do appreciate it. you. We do. We really, really but you do. you do miss out a little bit. Unfortunately, we cannot uh, add video to the uh, Anchor podcast. Oh, if I could, I would. And, and I've seen where some podcasts do that, and I'm trying to figure out how, but I am uh, technologically challenged, let's put it that way. And unfortunately, I am the techn- technological guy for this group. So is- we are about 50 years behind the curve. <laughs> we just recently <laughs> Most discovered of us are hot. Most of us are tech boomers. <laughs> yes, when, when the oldest guy in the group is get, giving advice to people half his age on how to make the technology work, they're, this is both a good sign and a bad sign. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it, it, it's a thing. Um, hopefully, eventually, we will get it set. Uh, we can... We can video stream on podcast. Um, now, no, it could just be the platform that we use. But the reason why I use it is so that we can be on all the platforms everywhere. So, yeah, uh, unfortunately, it's it's a thing. You're going to miss out on some stuff on podcast. But um, very soon, you're going to be getting stuff on the podcast that nobody else gets. Because um, uh, schedules are shifting. So we're going to start doing some other things. And there will be podcasts that just never see see um, uh, live stream well like uh, me and CG have talked about it and uh, once I've got a full time job which will probably end up keeping me from doing the weekday shows mm-hmm. we might do some uh, pop ups or some anchor exclusives so be sure to check out anchor guys right and we appreciate everybody that, uh, that supports us on there because uh, we do have financial supporters on the podcast and due to them, I'm not going to read off who they all are, but the list is relatively short. Um, and it's mostly because I don't know if they want their names put out there. But we have accumulated a total of $145.98. Almost all of that is specifically due to um, people that support us directly through, through, um, through Anchor. As far as the commercials go, we have garnered a whopping $31.39. Which doesn't sound like a whole lot. Sounds like nothing. Until you realize that uh, we get $15 per thousand listens. So we've got over 2,000 listens on Anchor Podcast. Thank you, guys. Yay. Woo! Yes, thank you. Now to, now to whip out the shame, I'm going to flog everybody with some shame. If all of our followers everywhere listened to us, we'd have that in a week. If they listened to the podcast. Uh, because on Telegram, for instance, I think that we got 300 or just under, just over. We're, it fluctuates. We're fluctuating. We're not high enough. But 300-ish? Yeah, 300-ish. Okay, so if just those 300 people, which I know some are here in the audience with us. Thanks, guys, for showing up because uh, you keep the chat moving. and it, It's actually really cool for the, the interaction. Um, but if just those 300 people showed up every day. Uh, that'd be three uh, or listen to each one of our podcasts. That'd be three dollars per podcast because we get a penny per listen from Anchor FM. So, thank you, Anchor, for uh, setting up your business model the way that you did, where 
even little guys like us can make some monies unlike uh, YouTube fuck you um, <laughs> so anchor has it set up to where we get a little bit of something just for participating in, in the program so we advertise for them on there we get a penny per listen 300 people listening every podcast that's three dollars per podcast how much faster would we be moving if if this was the case I know this is aside from from spring but um, it just stuns me some of the polls that we do up on there and the responses like uh, on our telegram we'll put up a how did you hear about us or a did you know that we have a podcast and how many people uh, and we'll doing silly things too like I have no idea what this channel is about the number of people that have no idea what our telegram is for or that we even do a, te- a, a podcast is just flabbergasting. My favorite is the people... <laughs> it that, is surprising. <laughs> my favorite is on Instagram. I'll do polls every once in a while because uh-huh. we have people that only follow us on Instagram. On the Heimdaller's Home Instagram. The Heimdaller's Home Instagram that is literally just advertisement for the podcast. Yeah, Literally, that's all it is. It is... Uh, Mike will make a, a placard, basically, for whatever the episode of the day was, and post that with a description of what the show is about. And a link, and a checkout in the link above, and some hashtags. It's about a 50-50 split, the people that follow the Instagram. Between? Between the people that understand that the thing is for a, for a podcast, and other people that are following just because. Yeah, it's weird. I don't understand it. People are weird. <laughs> well, the thing is, there's... there's uh, uh, give me just a moment. Uh, one Pale Mail asked for the... Uh, the I- I'm on it. So I'll it. get that up for you. Or, yeah. Ike's got it, so Ike's going to get it for you. There you go. Uh, you can also find most of our links in our About page on DLive. Yes, uh, if you're watching the live show, which is... Currently only on uh, DLive. I know that we're kind of hamstringing ourselves for audience, but fuck YouTube. I'm not using it unless we have to or for very special occasions because I am morally opposed to YouTube. Uh, So, on that note, we actually require you guys to advertise for us because nobody else is going to spread us around. So, share us. And we have some people that even watch us because they hate us. They love to hate us. Hi guys, thanks. Thanks. Listen to all of our podcasts <laughs> so you can get really mad. True. I actually, I even acknowledged the preciousness of hate watchers when I did my 500 subscriber uh, thank you video, and I was like, I know a lot of you are hate subscribed, but thank you anyway. <laughs> hey, a sub maybe, is a sub, right? <laughs> maybe we need this sign. We need this sign that says "haters are welcome." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a thing. It's a thing. So, hey, whatever. Um, I won't deny a, a tool that's thrown down on the field of battle. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's just the way that is. Well, and here's something else I noticed with springtime celebrations. Because at Heimdall's Home, especially CG, myself, um, full of fuckery all the time. However, come springtime, the fuckery levels rise to Overdrive. Epic. Yes. It's an overdrive. <laughs> Hit the turbo button. It just all out fucker. He can't. He can't contain it. <laughs> <laughs> Who is Heim Dollar? <laughs> we, we we never hear him on the show. Where's Sonny? I'm I'm Heim Dollar. 
These fellas are sitting at my table having a nice discussion. Nice discussion with the ladies. Now sit down and shut the fuck up. <laughs> there, now you heard Heimdaller. Wow, happy? what happened to him? <laughs> he's been around for a while. I mean, what do you expect? He's been, he's been around. He's seen some things. Well, He's the one rape watching. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know we have people that just hate watch us because of the fact that like remember that time period where we just had like eight to eleven dislikes on like everything we oh posted? that was that was a glorious time i mean i was a little disappointed by it um but it, it was still glorious i look back on these times and say oh what wonderful times when you can make people so angry with you that they watch you specifically to hate on you especially when you're trying to help them yeah well but anyways, yeah, back to back to spring, and I hope uh, everybody that is in live and uh, watching the live stream um, that you're enjoying the uh, the pictures coming up. Uh, me and Eighth Wolf, Wolf worked really hard to crank this out as quickly as we could um, because we were overdue from when we wanted to hit print. And as I said, we're in the final edits right now, so um, hopefully we get it out soon. I mean, I I gotta. I have a target. I have a target. Whether or not we hit that target is another question, but I do have a target. And Aethel Wolf is working on it currently as we're speaking to you going through those edits. Yes. And then once that's I done... I have a question. Um, we'll make up an answer. This, not that this has anything to do with spring celebration, but talking about the magazine, maybe people would be interested too. When you guys get done editing it and then you send it to the publisher, do, do the, does the publisher do edits on their side too, or do they just take what you uh, did and, and we're trying to get it that way? But currently, yes, they're they are still they're doing a few edits here and there. Um, a couple pictures got added in. Well, not a couple. A few pictures got added in last time we sent it in. This time, oh, okay. uh, I don't think they'll need to do that. Aside from maybe like, uh, if anyone who's gotten the magazine, there's that first two pages with like the uh, the loggers and the uh, basically we're, we're trying to get it because we're unfamiliar with print they understand print mm -hmm. so right. we're trying to get it to the point where when we're done with it we hand it to them they say oh isn't this lovely and, and then just start printing it um, so oh. right now there's a bit of a learning curve and they will end up going through it so some of it might change um, but we're hoping that we know enough this go around that that's not the case. Precisely. Oh, okay. And this issue is beautiful, but we did it in a rush. So, how much more beautiful are the next issues going to be? Right. Well, and, and then there, there's also limitations. Like, there's things that we want to do. We don't know if we can. So, we're, we're getting all the parameters because just now, us, um, me, Ike, um, me, I would list me first because I'm the most important to me. Everybody else comes in second. Uh, <laughs> like Aethel Wolf, uh, we're the ones actually handling all the the ins and outs of the magazine. So we're we're actually learning it as we go. But you can see what it is that we're trying to do, and we're hoping that we can. Me and Aethel Wolf, we, we we're kind of artistic, so we're hoping that we can go all out on it. But there's a price point to to uh, pay attention to as well. Like, uh, you know, a hundred. Uh, if we can keep it at a hundred pages, 
but we put all this hard, all this beauty into it, and it costs seventy-five dollars. Yeah, we're not going to do that. We're going to try and keep the price down so people can actually afford to buy it. So we, we're not quite sure how far we can push on what currently. Yeah, we're not sure how much. Like this one, it is much more detailed. It is much prettier than the last one. However, we don't know how that's going to affect the price. So we're hoping that we can actually up the pretty factor going forward, but we might uh, have to simplify it in other ways to uh, make it more affordable. We don't know yet. It's a learning process, right, guys? Yes. So we know what we want to do. Whether or not we'll be able to do it is a completely different story. We'll manage eventually. Yeah. Eventually we'll get it hammered out and then we'll know exactly what we're doing before we even do it. So that, that'll, that'll be good. Plus we have in the works, um, through working with this, we're like, oh, hey, we can, uh, we can do this kind of thing. Like um, uh, McThunder, uh, who I believe is in the live stream with us right now, we was talking about doing coloring books for, for our kids. Um, we're also talking about redoing some of the Grimm's fairy tales um, we're talking about uh, doing actually a lot of different books and whatnot but starting to get into uh, the publishing aspect of things a little bit more well and there is a, a project that we've actually been doing for a while but it's been slow goings but it's um the Grimm remithing yes which will take a long time because when we do them we want to do them well Yes, and we've done two so far. Uh, one in each magazine. The first one was Snow White, and the second one was Bearskin. Right, which we don't just take one version of it we have and remit it. We, we, because there's many versions of Bearskin, for instance, which is in the, the upcoming one. So we went across, uh, what was it, three four different versions? Yeah. And then combined them for this version of Bearskin. Which, by the way... You can get a t-shirt on Teespring. I'm trying to get better at self-promotion. You can get a t-shirt on Teespring through Heimdall's Home that has that bearskin logo on it. It's beautiful. It's, it's an old illustration. And you can support bearskin and Heimdall's Home and Wilder's Home Life all with one purchase of a wonderful t-shirt on Teesprings. And... As we are doing this, we will eventually publish. It won't be the entirety of the Grimm's, uh, or even all the Grimm's. I'm thinking of including some other fairy tales that are notable. Um, and I'm trying to avoid including ones that are really, really blatant. At, in um, Like Fra Mother Hala. That story... I guess I could remith uh, Pitch Mary and Gold Mary into actual goddesses, uh -huh. like they're implied as being. But otherwise, the the actual story is. Um, but pretty much, we want to get into uh, bringing our folklore forward in a way where people can actually enjoy it and understand. Uh, among, among, uh, one thing that people well, always connect do, to it. Yeah, connect with. It. And the other thing is, is that people, even though we love fairy tales, people forget what's in there. Like there is so much in the folklore and the fairy tales. I actually tend to favor uh, information I can gather from that over the written down myths for a couple of reasons. Well, three big ones. One, mythology is inevitably written down typically by the elite. They typically have a skewed version or even a completely desensitized view of whatever they're writing down. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, they'll often try to shift it to fit more popular conceptions, such as Christianity or uh, the, uh, the Olympian gods. That was actually really common. That's why if you open up the Prosetta, they try to list the gods as if they're um, as if they're like the Olympians, and they're not. Uh, number two, this is stuff that people thought was important enough to keep talking about, and it's imbued in the culture. And number three, it really does show a more fleshed out and continuous view. Do, does every folktale have a god in it? No. But then again, there are a lot that have them hidden. And sometimes it's obvious, like Frau Hala or the Three Heads of the Well or uh, the Devil and the Three Golden Hairs. But other times it's a lot more subtle. Right. Well, and I, I'm going to... Um, uh, again, we strayed away from the, the, the topic, but... Um, I'm going to keep straying away from it. One of the things that we're after is translations of some of these stories done by by pagan people, um, pretty much. Like Moy, he's, he's working on some Slavic stuff, translating it. Um, the, the, the image on the left side is the seven goats, which is translated by Hans. If you want to help out the effort, you can just find some local some local folklore and translate it and send it to us. We promise you absolutely nothing other than to attach your name to the story as translated by. But the thing is, that it just has to be old folklore. So within uh, the realm of public domain. So it can't be something written by somebody in the 1970s or whatever. Because that will be um, um, copyright, most likely. So it has to be outside of that. Um, but yeah, translate your local lore. You'd be surprised what there is. Um, or if you're an American and there's some local lore in your area, some local folklore in your area, we are really interested in gathering these things. And just view it as a, a gift to your people. And we will make sure that your name is attached to it as translated by, written down by, or transcribed by, whatever. So you will get credit for it. But to be honest, we're not in a position right now to pay for it. But we are in a position to accept gifts and spread it around to the people. Well, and there are many, many parts of American folklore. Mm -hmm. Like, for instance, the um, Paul Bunyan and Johnny Appleseed, those are Which are the ones. easy go-tos, But yeah. there's also things like, when I was reading through some American folklore, granted the it was squonk. presented as a monster. Uh, the squonk is a weird sort of American uh, water spirit. Uh, you have, um, what's it called? You have the Undertaker, sort of this god of death from the Old West. Mm -hmm. uh, you have, uh, there's stories of these, this basically horned god-like being roaming the woods. So, this is a thing that has been fairly common throughout uh, America, and we've just sort of not paid attention to it because we're told the lie that everyone that came over here was super Christian. They used to chase right. the priest or, out of some Or areas. we just don't even value it. Like, well, everybody knows this, that's not interesting. You're wrong. Everybody doesn't know about it. Um, um, like when Hans did um, the the seven goats here, um, that was amazing. I'd never heard this story. So yeah, just because it might be popular in your region and everybody where you're at knows this thing, um, yeah. In general, figure our people in general are completely unaware of it. It it doesn't matter. Right. Send it to us, and we will give you credit for 
at least transcribing it. And if you if it's translation, then you get credit for translating. If nothing else, it'll help pad out your uh, your resumes. Well, and uh, we've sort of shifted it away from the spring celebration aspect, but it all kind of ties into it because how many people devalue their own spring celebrations? Right. Whether it can be something as simple because uh, um, this even occurs in America where there's these spring celebrations where they uh, take spring flowers and they weave wreaths uh, like the the kind that you wear on your head. I think that's what that's called. But flower crowns, and they'll they'll weave these things and they're like, oh, this ain't nothing special. It just it's just something that we do all the time. Everybody does this. No, everybody doesn't still do that. Well, not only that, every race doesn't do that. That was a very very European thing. Flower wreaths? Mm-hmm. That's a very, very European thing. When our <coughs> it little... is, but they devalue it because they think everybody does it. And no, no, everybody doesn't do that. So, yeah, th these springtime celebrations, you might think it's common, and everybody knows about it. The springtime story. Everybody knows about it. I promise you, everybody doesn't know about it. Well, and... When I was a little girl, we still used to do that, uh make flower crowns for each other. I have Most no of the time idea out of dandelions. <laughs> I have no idea how that's done because I know how to do lots of old stuff. I've had people come to me, how do you weave a, a flower crown? I'm like, I have no idea uh, because I don't. I don't know how to weave a, a flower crown. So that might be something for one, one of the women is out here to do that know how to do it like you yourself, Hailstorm. Um, yep. You, you have a cell phone. So just record yourself one time uh, making a flower crown, even if it's small. Um, to show at least one way to do it, because with anything, there's more than one way to do something. Uh, yes, there's many, many ways. So uh, you, you could do that, and I don't, I don't think that you have a YouTube channel, um, but you can, we, we can get it and, and then share it around and show people how to freaking do this. Well, sure. And Dandelion flower crowns, here we come. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> Well, and people forget the men's had the men had some crowns too, uh, oak leaves. That was a big thing. The men had their oak leaves wreaths. Do not make them out of poison oak. Did you do that once? Oak and poison? No, I didn't. But oak and poison oak, two completely different things. Yes. <laughs> don't don't be wearing a poison oak wreath when you're trying to <laughs> woo a fair maiden. <laughs> Probably best not. <laughs> You know, that actually makes me think about the Roman emperors. You know, they didn't have crowns or anything, but they did have these laurel leaves around their, you know, on their head. Um, maybe that's, uh, that comes from a similar tradition as such. And it's just warped into, oh, only the big chief can have it. <laughs> or the big but chief uh, has a fancy one made out of gold and silver. Everybody else has to wear real ones. <laughs> but, yeah, it's... And we do all kinds of stuff. Um, um, there was a thing where, I forget what region I was in, but uh, it's kind of detrimental. I'm sure it pissed the birds off. But in the spring, before the birds actually started doing bird things, they'd go around and collect bird bird, bass, uh, bird nests. And then they would, those were actually the Easter baskets. They would actually use real bird, bird nests and put an egg in there and then hide that and it was whoever got the most of these basically won the game. And there would be eggs without the, the nests and then eggs with the nests. So then there was, they as made As long it. as they're not stealing some poor bird family's nest. Right. 
And I'm sure it was irritating to the birds. You know, they, they come back to where they had nested last year, and they're like, "Where did? But I left my home here last year. Where did it go?" <laughs> no. <laughs> so I just looked up the laurel wreath just because I, I, it was a good idea, and uh, yeah, it, it ties into Apollo and the the nymph Daphne, and it became a symbol of uh, basically education uh triumph and um poetry this is actually apparently where we get the word laureate and poet laureate it's a reference to these laurel wreaths that used to be worn oh another spring custom i, I don't know if Milo's here because i don't have discord up so sometimes she has to dip out a little early are you still here Milo? she jumped out for a couple of minutes she'll be back oh, okay but um, I, I know another common thing, and you even have it in schools still, well, some schools still today, is the spring dance. And, and we'll, we'll coordinate dances in the springs. Prom. Or in the springtime. Oh, yes, uh, prom would fall under that. Um, the spring middle school dance, we still do the, the spring dances. Granted, we've forgotten why, but they're still there. So we need to, to be able to identify these kinds of things so that we can get people to understand what it is that they're doing. And why do we want them to understand what it is that they're doing so that they can understand how that we still have stuff. Because every, every, you still hear people saying, well, we don't have anything that's actually ours. Yes, we do. Almost everything that we do is actually ours. Well, do you say kimono are ours? Absolutely not. But they're cool. So, yeah. They're, they're pretty. I wouldn't wear one, but hey. And, yeah, if you're a guy and you wear a kimono, I'm going to point and laugh at you unless you happen to be Japanese. <sighs> Weeaboos, after hearing that, I think I'm turning Japanese. I think I'm turning yeah. Japanese. Well, and the thing is, I, I've known guys that's had kimonos. They didn't wear them. Um, and they had a, a they had it from Japan. It was gifted to them by a Japanese person, and basically it, it was like a trophy, I guess, of hey, check the, check out this gift that was given to me. Uh, it was given to me. They knew who gave it to them, when it was given, what the symbology on it meant, and it was it was a gift that they was proud of, and that was cool. They didn't walk around pretending to be Japanese. No, and so that I can respect. And, like, even in America, we devalue our spring celebrations because Easter, it's uh, slowly dying, but then we also have other ones. Like, for we already lost May Day, unfortunately, but there's also, like, uh, St. Patrick's Day, which is, you know, the Feast of the Smith. It's sort of the start of the war season. Here's one I don't, uh, one I take for granted. I don't know if anybody else has this. Do you get, does anybody else have the spring worm? It, it's mostly symbology. But the spring worm, it, it's its an image of a worm coming up through the ground in the springtime. Does anybody else have that? Or is this just something I take for granted that, oh, well, everybody's got this, so it's boring? No, I've never heard of that. No, neither. Okay, I'm guessing I fell into that same trap as a lot of people will do of, well, everybody knows about this, so it's not important. So maybe I should do something on the spring worm. I kind of touched on it with the, um, the worm... Um, article that I put on Wilder Holmes Project, the WilderHolmesProject.life website. Uh, I kind of touched on it a little bit, 
but I didn't present it in that way with that imagery. It's actually uh, part of the Easter celebration. And, and it's not just my family. It's like everybody in the region where I grew up had this. Well, and the other two, which are also very much uh, dismissed in America, Valentine's Day and Groundhog Day. These are both, and both of them are really old in their roots. Like, uh, Groundhog Day is prehistorical. That's how old its origins are. But we, we sort of devalue these spring celebrations, even though there's many throughout America. We even have uh, Cinco de Mayo, which is just a, uh, it's not a European thing. It's a, it's a Mexican-American thing. They don't even actually really celebrate it in Mexico, which is really weird. But pretty much it's just an excuse to eat tacos. And no, we don't need Mexican people to eat tacos. I'm not Mexican and I make killer tacos. Tacos, so good that Mexicans love my tacos. So go figure. Well, it's very telling when they have to start, you know, complaining when white people make tacos. Because if we learn how to make the tacos... <laughs> I hate that argument. Like, when I used to be around liberals, that was a really common argument. Like, if we don't have NAFTA, how will we get avocados? Well, we'll have less of them. But here's my question. Why are you deciding entire national decisions on your love of avocados? Oh, no. Oh, no. I forgot to hit the record button again. I clicked that. I was going to bring that up. I noticed so that. So we're going to uh, pause here for approximately 30 seconds so I can find it, so I can do the, the commercial cut. And um, when, I re -up, when I upload this to the podcast, uh, once the live stream is over. So everybody, That was 20 seconds, and that was a very awkward silence. That shows how good we got, got at doing the podcast, just because uh, before it was nothing to have a 30-second or two-minute silent period. We've gotten way better at this. We have. I can't even really listen to our early ones because of how awkward we are. Right. So, like, um, some people... It was be, still interesting, though. <laughs> I went back and listened to the old ones uh, months ago. Well, that's good. I mean, we are, we do talk about interesting things. But well, and if nothing else, it, it's a pressure test to see just how, how genuine we are, because we haven't shifted on anything. And, and here's, here's a secret, because sometimes people come at us and, oh, well, I loved it when you said this thing in this episode. Here's a, here's a big secret. As soon as we stop, um, stop streaming, I pretty much forget everything that was said during the show. It just falls out of my mind. And yet, we're, and it does for all of us. Um, and yet, we manage to be really consistent in our opinions and views on things. We might work in, you, you, like, you'll notice where we've learned things through, because mostly because I like doing a lot of digging. Um, but, yeah, we're really consistent. And our podcast history is one way to show that, that we didn't swing all over the political spectrum or the religious spectrum looking for followers. Uh, we, we don't do that. Maybe that's why we're so consistent. 
we're true to what we say, so we forget what we say, <laughs> and we just keep coming back to it. <laughs> what was that, Hans? I would actually argue it's those with the political mindset or the organized, you know, religiously organized mindset. They're the ones who keep repeating themselves, and it's not even necessarily rooted in reality. It's only rooted in their specific perspective, which um, is more so to convenience themselves into not having to look into the reality of the world, which is a bit more complex than all this artificial nonsense that is offered, I would say. Yeah, well, and the thing is, we'll talk about the same things over and over again, but always from a, a, a different perspective. Uh, well, not even a different perspective, from a, a slightly different angle. And really, that's how conversations work, is to fully uh, explore an idea, you have to come at it from many different angles, not saying the same thing over and over and over again. And I'm sure some people can think of some podcasters that will, they, they, they do their podcast pretty consistently, but if you've listened to one, you've listened to all of them. You listen to one of ours, you have not listened to even close to all of them because uh, there's fuckery, there's heartbreak, there's anger, there's so many different topics and so many different topics approached from different different angles, but all run through this through the same lens. It's run through a lens for our people. It's run through the pagan lens or the the ethnic lens of the Hyperboreans. So everyone is is actually different, which is another comment that um, that I've heard is. From episode to episode, it seems like a wild swing until you listen to several several episodes, and then you learn, oh, hey, these these, these people they're really consistent about their views. And uh, back to springtime stuff, um, I believe that you was talking uh, talking the other day, Hailstorm, where uh, you was outside eating something. And was it crows or ravens? You, you left it on the. Um, on the railing of your porch and <laughs> come back and the birds and yeah. stole it. <laughs> there's a there's some uh, crow parents in a tree by uh, my house <laughs> and I left something out on the deck to run in and grab my cup of water. <laughs> Go back outside and there they are, uh, flying off with the food. And I was like, oh well. <laughs> right, and and the thing is, is it was a sacrifice. It wasn't a willing sacrifice, but it was a sacrifice. You left it there. The birds are like, oh, isn't that nice? She left stuff for us. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> so sometimes, I know some people, they will lose their shit over that. It's like, well, what do you expect? What do you expect? No, nah, come on. It's just amusing. <laughs> so, yeah. It's like when the bears visit my yard and take my bird seed and my suet and everything. It's okay. Well, they're more than welcome. <laughs> well, and, and is it actually yours? Do you go out there and eat it, or do the birds eat it? Well, the... sometimes it depends how hungry I am. So. <laughs> <laughs> Which is it actually whether I've gone grocery shopping yet. <laughs> I know people that will go and buy buy suet, and I don't know why. I, I really don't because the recipe for suet is actually really easy. Um, you know, all that fat that you uh, drain off and you throw away, and yeah, if you hold on to it, yeah. it congeals. You just save that, and that's bird seed and that fat, and you heat up the fat and you pour it over the. Uh, you put it in a, a whatever shape container that you want it to be. Um, you mix mm -hmm. it all together, pour it in that in that container, let it um, solidify, and 
that's what it is. So it's yeah, animal fat and seed. Start doing that ourselves, but right now we do buy it just because it's we we buy a lot of it, so it's more than we would have enough fat to make right now. So. What, right. Also, uh, why would anyone drain away fat, you guys? That is just so wrong. <laughs> so wrong. Well, there are entire grills who are designed just to melt away the fat. My mom used to use that to cook food for me. Oh, that yeah. is just sick. Oh, the, yeah, like the, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Like, yeah, I right. had one of those too. Well, and George if, Foreman. No. If, if you have dogs yeah, and. Yeah. Because some, there is such a thing as too much fat on your food, too much liquid fat on your food. So yeah, but you can use it for other things. Right, right which is right where I was going going with it is rather than dumping it down your drain or or drain it into the garbage or something. If you have dogs, your dogs will love you even more because I know that your dogs already love you. But you take that fat and you put it over their food, they yeah. will just. Yeah, they will be so excited. You will be their new new favorite, favorite person. Well, I always save bacon grease to make uh, tortillas with. Right, well. You know, with the flour and the, the grease. It, they come out really good when you use My dogs were always so mad at me because I'll share any other kind of fat with them except for bacon fat. Bacon fat goes into a <laughs> jar for me to cook more stuff for me with. They get none of the bacon fat, but they can have the chicken fat, the uh, the other pork fat, and they can have the cow fat. Bacon grease is mine. <laughs> bacon grease is gold. <laughs> oh, it's so bacon good for cooking with. Never, never throw your bacon grease away. And you don't have to keep it all super special if you actually cook. Like, oh, well, I got to put it in a special container and I have to put it in a refrigerator, otherwise it's going to go bad, etc., etc. If you actually cook... Uh, just pour it in an old glass or in an old cup or a jar. Put a, uh, something over it so that flies don't get it because flies love bacon grease too. And then whenever you cook, just a dollop of bacon grease and it makes anything better. Anything. It it's does. It's like butter. And it makes butter better. People, pro tip for people listening, like if you're cooking something and you have fat that's coming off of it, you know, whatever it is, beef or, or chicken or pork, uh, just render it down and save it. Um, keep it in your fridge or put it in your freezer. You can add that stuff to your soups, your stews, whatever you want, and it just makes it so much more awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, like with the other fats, um, not bacon grease. Bacon grease we always kept beside the, uh, be beside the stove and would cook with it pretty much all the time, so it, it never had a chance to go rancid because it, it will if you don't cook with it all the time. But... We use bacon grease so much it never got a chance to go rancid. But when it comes to uh, beef fat, uh, the other kinds of pork fat, which pork fat is just good, period, um, or even chicken fat, we would save that once we get so much, because even dogs can only eat so much, we'd save it, basically form bars out of it by putting it in the freezer, you know, pour it into a container, uh, put it in the freezer, freeze it up, and then we could slice it and block it and make it in nice handy dandy shapes and then we label it and use it throughout the year because sometimes you end up with more more fat than you know what to do with and other times it's like I need grease where do I get grease well if you dumped it down the drain now you gotta go buy grease because that's all the fat is is grease anyways and it's better for you than your spray on or your uh, vegetable oils it's way better Much. for you to use animal fat supremely better <laughs> and it tastes better 
Welcome to the CG And by vegetable show. oils uh, being bad, I do not mean olive oil. Olive oil is good for you. Right. But vegetable oil, there is no such thing. It's a fiction. <laughs> Never touch that stuff, ever. Right. And, well, and, and olive oil, um, cooking with it, um, there's no sense in cooking with extra virgin olive oil. Because... Uh, you're just paying you're paying extra money for the extra virgin name or title on it it is it's just where it came from in the batch basically from what i understand from talking to somebody it's been a while so i don't i don't remember the details but they actually know olive oil they they cook with it they grew up with it they know how to make it from olives and they're like they was the one telling me extra extra virgin olive oil there's no point in cooking with it you put it on after well, the thing's been cooked with the, uh, the uh, but the oil, other olive oil, then you yes. What's that? The thing about olive oil is you you do want the best olive oil you can get, even if it's pricey, because it does make a difference. You do want extra virgin olive oil, and the way to to tell if you have really good olive oil is if you put a little bit in your mouth and it has almost like a like a burny kind of flavor or a spicy mm -hmm. flavor. That's how you know you got the really good stuff. Well, and what they was talking about is is this thing where more on it. Right, but what they was talking about is like when you pour it in the pan and you fry with it, that uh, something happens to that olive oil and you're, you're paying an extra expense as opposed to just a good olive oil that doesn't have that extra title on it. Um, something about it burns up too quick and then therefore there's no sense in using it versus using the other olive oil. Maybe they were um, talking about um, the smoke point of olive oil. So like yeah. if you're cooking on a really high temperature, right? Like frying. Then, uh, olive oil has like a, a lower smoke point. Right. That's what they're talking about. Basically, it just goes up in flames. Um, where the the other one you can actually fry with. And what I'm talking about is specifically frying with it. Um, yeah, but you definitely get the health benefits from the the better olive oil, even if it does burn up a little quicker. The, the health benefits are going to be the extra virgin the more expensive olive oil unfortunately it is more expensive but it's definitely worth it for your health well and i will say because there's actually a really interesting and see, we uh, we don't always all agree true <laughs> well like i am i'm german so butter and lard are are the good stuff for me but uh yeah i know like uh mio oh mio who's italian and uh, like alex our friend that sometimes pops on who's spanish olive oil they fucking love olive yeah. oil yeah like uh, well, and like uh, extra virgin olive oil, I like it for um, uh, it, it, the shit that you dribble on top of stuff. Seasoning, uh, vinaigrette. Yeah, it, it's really nice for that. I love olive oil. Olive oil is tasty. <laughs> but to be honest, most of the stuff that I cook in is fat and butter. Yeah, I mean, I'll use olive oil. Don't get me wrong. Of the oils, that is my go-to, followed by sunflower oil. Um. Very rarely I'll use canola just for just cheap shit. But that's itself is not exactly the best thing. Um, but in the chat, they're actually bringing up something really interesting, which is the idea of an American Silk Road. Basically, the different folkish people who have access to these resources, we can start trying to trade with each other. So like Boudicca made uh, the, the comparison of maple syrup from Canada for uh, avocados in New Mexico. Now, we might not have the people to do that, but it is a good idea. Oh, it'd be interesting to get both Alex and Milo on the same show. 
the Spaniard versus the Italian, and just mention something like olive oil and then step back. Oh, God, stop. <laughs> Well, because we'd have a ble- we could just talk food for two hours, probably. Well, awesome. yes, 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 but it, it would be end, amazing. It, it, it would end in a fight, and here's yeah, how there, I know: there's contrasting views here, <laughs> and I will tell you why. Because Alex is very adamant that you Ita- that uh, Italians uh, do not have the best wine or olive oil, and that it's actually Spain, and that uh, Italy does not deserve its reputation. Oh, and the sausages. You like the bag on the and, sausages. Yeah, if you mention the sausages to Alex, just imagine. Yeah, I know, I know how he is about the sausage. That I did know. I didn't know about the wine and the uh, olive oil. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be a get you two in the same show, and I, I just put my hand in the middle and say, go, and I would just run away. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> You'd end up. Would, people want blood sports. There would be the blood sports. Two hours of debating whether Italian or Spanish food is better. <laughs> Sounds <Yeah>. awesome. <laughs> Who has the best tomatoes? I'd be happy to talk about food for two hours. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I, hey, it might be a good Sunday fun day, and the rest of us are just sitting back with popcorn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There would be blood all over the walls when when it I'd be half convinced that uh, Alex. There would not. There would be tomato sauce all over the walls. Exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, like Alex, for instance, uh, he has threatened to come from Spain to America just to destroy a dish I made because I used chorizo wrong. The wrong kind of chorizo, oh, no. the wrong way. And how dare we call chorizo? I c- Ike, you have offended the gods of chorizo. (laughs) Never be forgiven. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, there's all kinds of spring celebrations. A remarkable amount of it revolves around food. But, if you look at most of our celebrations, a remarkable amount of it revolves around food. Why? Because everybody likes to eat. How do you make sure everybody shows up? You offer food. I mean, who's not going to show up for food? Yep. My favorite kind of food, personally, is the kind I don't have to cook. This is very true. I will endure some horrible cooking just so I don't have to cook it. That's why I like to teach people how to cook so that they can do it the way that I like it without me having to do it. Okay, guys, what's your... What's that? What's your favorite springtime barbecue recipe? What's your go-to? Uh, I don't know how to barbecue, but I do know that if I can go to a place that either has good ribs or some good pulled pork with coleslaw, I'm good. I have been told that what I do is not barbecuing, it's grilling, that there's a distinct difference. And it's because I like to take wood. I prefer actually to grill over wood. Um, but well, grilling or barbecuing, either one. Mine usually <laughs> involves uh, meat plus heat. Flip, eat. That's my that's my total recipe right there. Oh, very good. <laughs> and, and I like to do big juicy burgers or a big juicy steak and throw that on the grill. I like to do baked potatoes on the grill too. I guess they're not baked; they're grilled. But I like to do potatoes on the grill. Um, you know, if I do like a steak, I'll do some other vegetables. Throw everything on the grill. Get those nice grill marks in there. It's so good. Awesome. Oh, and our people. We love food. It's the cornerstone of our celebrations. And actually, there's a whole subsection of folklore called food lore. Because there's that much. Like, there's entire stories of, like, deities giving food. Like, for instance, uh, uh, the old man of the mountain of Urubazul. 
he actually is credited with giving uh, sourdough to the people. Or uh, olive trees in Athens was a gift from Athena. This is more of a Or a certain someone who uh, made pancakes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, and threw, throws pancakes at people. I love that. That's my favorite part of the story. Just, you get a pancake and you get a pancake. You get a pancake. And they, are, they are talking about Hala. Yes. Uh, but one of the big things is that's why you always end up with these weirdos trying to make the... Uh, the food argument for immigration, tacos, avocados, burrito, um, but uh, this is why I think like when uh, uh, Boudicca brought up the uh, Silk Road idea uh, in America, what if we do, uh, what if we had like, uh, there's, because like Mayo, you're, you're in Maine. And there are things that you like to cook with, like lemons, for instance. You cannot grow those yourself in Maine. No, no. So you'd need contacts with people a bit further south. Yeah. Right. Which is actually yeah, one of the things that we've talked about. We get multiple towns going on the same continent. We there'll be trade people that, that they just want to travel. So then basically setting right. up trade routes. Well, because there are people that you would rather be You have enough communities and trade routes will happen. And you can get the people that are more nomadically inclined, and they can go out in their caravans and trade for you. Because there are people, like, like we brought it up way back when we were first getting started. We're not trying to create one form of our people's existence. That's unstable, it's unhealthy, it's fragile. Yeah. But if you want, you can create these nomadic tribes, these reindeer herders, these wild men with loincloths in the woods, these... Forest-dwelling tribes, these mountain-dwelling tribes, these, you know, uh, towns, cities, villages. I don't know. You can even have people that decide they want to live in boats and sort of just travel the coast. But the goal is not to try to do what we've done in the modern society where we always force people forward. Right. So we'll Force them into a position or a role. So if we got a village together, but there are people that have a bit more wanderlust, they'd rather be nomadic. Well, the, the roads are already built. Just get a little caravan going and you can start trading between villages. Right. Well, and if we only have the, the, the one village, for instance, they might be the one that, that takes our produce um, to the farmer's markets. Why? Because they like to travel. They like to meet people. They like to do this. We don't have to force anybody to do it. If we don't have those people, then we set up locally and make people come to us if, if we have a village full of people that don't like to travel. Well, it would be awesome if we could get, like, little markets going. Yeah. Because, like, one thing I've always wanted to do, and I can't, uh, but uh, the German Christmas market, I always liked the idea of going to that because it's pretty much like all of the traditional German stuff in one area. And that, <laughs> that always seemed like something cool. Well, um, to, to continue on with uh, uh, Miobi's question about growing, one of my favorite things, it's, it's actually not a, um, a springtime thing, but crab apples, wild crab apples, I know everybody thinks that they're poison, they're not. Um, they just, they're full of flavor, that's all. But take wild crab apples, split them in half and throw them on the grill, cut side down until it sears, and then eat them. They're delicious. Once you got to be careful see, to pull them off before just they go confuse... Did you just confuse me and Mayo? Are all lamins the same? I, I, thought, I thought, uh, I don't know, yes. I don't know, it's all static in my ears. And you guys laugh, you speak, it's just all staticky and full of squealing, so I, I don't listen. 
Uh, I think they were expecting. <laughs> I thought it was. I, th I thought it was Myobi. It's true. He, he it. can't handle our charismatic natures. I'm just bad. I thought it was Myobi that asked about it, but maybe it was Hailstorm. Well, I, you do know. You, you guys are both beautiful to me. I can't tell uh, the difference. Well, they, well, and I find it funny because I think they were both. Uh, they were both going with the route of. They were expecting you to say like a whole beaver over the fire because you think those are delicious. Oh, they they are, but um, that's something different. <laughs> that's not grilling, and that's definitely not barbecuing. That's that's pit roasting, and pit roasting. Now there's another topic. Anything with meat in it that's not human, pretty much, it can can be pit roasted and it's, it's delicious. <laughs> Important detail. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. But you gotta keep it moving. Gotta keep it moving so that none of the fat actually gets into the fire. It just rolls around and stays on the animal, and it's it's delightful. Oh. That sounds epic. <laughs> Blob says there's two women's on the stream. <laughs> 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 oh my goodness. But yes, it's uh. Uh, fruits, vegetables, roots, tubers, uh, uh, which are basically, they're the same thing. Uh, and meat, and my, my favorite recipe is actually just item plus fire, and then eat. Well, and speaking of, um, speaking of grilling or barbecuing, there are several ingredients, like uh, if you wanted, I don't know, like Louisiana hot sauce. You might have to trade with the Cajuns. If you want mesquite, you might have to trade with some of the more southwestern. But we ones. don't need things like banana leaves. No, 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 no. So, so uh, if you like banana leaves, I promise you that there's other things that you can try. Sweetgrass, wrapping meat in sweetgrass, and effectively you're doing the same thing, but it actually tastes better than something wrapped in banana leaves. Well, and like I, w I was trying to get the ladies, uh, I think they've been a bit too busy, but uh, to make a, because uh, their gingerbread has existed longer than we've had access to Indian spices. It's a really, really old recipe. Yes. It used to not include things like cinnamon or allspice. We didn't have these originally. Well, had allspice is actually a combination of spices. It's not a thing by itself. I thought there were allspice berries. No, it's berries that there taste are. like allspice. Ah. There, there's allspice berries, yes. Yeah, it, it's yeah, just a slang are. based off of the taste because of the seasoning that was put out. And that, it's like pumpkin pie spice. It's multiple spices. Right. And, or like five spice like uh, from China. But we don't necessarily need these. Like I like cinnamon rolls as much as any Germanic. Um, but uh, the... Um, there are comparable spices in the north. They right. just fell out of favor. And, and we're again, we're not saying don't use banana banana leaves, for instance. Or don't eat. We're bananas just saying or... that you don't have to. Well, yeah, it's. <coughs> and that's. I'm hoping um, Mayo and Hale, you can find time and get that sort of gingerbread recipe rolling. I think that'd be really cool. I will eventually. <laughs> yeah, I I apologize. I haven't done anything with it yet, but I am. It's on the back of my mind because I really want to make a good gingerbread. I haven't really found a good recipe. The ones I've tried haven't turned out so well. So yeah, that's something I definitely want to do. 
And the, Me too, uh, because I just happen to really like ginger. Ginger is one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. Well, and we've had ginger for a really, really long time. Well, and we, we might be able to recreate some of these old recipes simply by taking the new recipes, which include things that are non-European, and use it as a as a base for what the consistency should be similar to, basically as a process book, and just removing the, the uh, non-European ingredients and kind of back-working it. Uh, finding European substitutes because really these these other things are just substitutes from other areas. Uh, that that's my view on it. As it was originally made this way, and then we found this other thing that also tasted good. It became cheaper and easier to get, or it was more expensive, so the rich people started using it, and then there got to be so much that it became cheaper. Um, so then we just substituted. So what was the original things? And we can use some of our some of our modern. Um, recipes to kind of backtrace and get to some of the more um, uh, European-esque dishes. And, and will we find the originals? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, if it, the closest that we'd get really is old manuscripts and then that, that starts requiring translation. Because even English, for instance, English wasn't always English. French, modern French is not the same as, necessarily the same as French from 500 years ago. And so on, so on, so on. So there is a bit of translation that goes on, but if we can find some of these old manuscripts, we might actually just hit the jackpot. Well, like right here, it says, the first known recipe for gingerbread came from Greece in 2400 BC. In comparison, uh, Chinese recipes that are not even comparable to European, let's be honest, who has ever had uh, Chinese gingerbread, right. did not show up till the 10th century in the Middle Ages. But it... I've seen, I've found recipes like that before, and, and it's because we've basically we've started talking about food quite a bit this right. episode. Um, I know that one of the ingredients was like a floral water, like it might have been rose water, but it's there. The rose water, by the way, is remarkably easy to make. Guess what the ingredients are? Is um, it roses and water? Yes. <laughs> well, darn it! I was gonna guess tulips and honey, but I was way off. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, uh, th thanks for the uh, lemons, uh, one pale male. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's one of those deals where uh, it amazes me. People's like, well, I want rose water, but I gotta go buy some because I don't know how to make it. Is that, what? Uh huh? Well, if that's the case, there's just there's no hope for you. <laughs> but. The goal with the, the sort of gingerbread recipe is to basically recreate these old ones with just northern spices. So ginger is valid, molasses is valid, uh, honey is valid, nuts are valid, but there's all these spices. Everyone likes to pretend like Europe had no herbs or spices. Well, before, here's like, one the that I can, I, um, I, I can already see people starting to argue with me. Sugar is valid. Yes. We have had granulated sugar for a very, very long time, and it is still made predominantly the way that it was forever ago. Sugar beets. Sugar beets. Everyone like everyone thinks it all comes from sugar cane. It actually still, in the United States, mostly comes from sugar beets. Which is a European... Um, uh, a European veg. I don't know what it is. Well, it's Root? just, it's a beet that it's is... It's a plant. It's, it's a extremely plant. sweet. That's what it yeah. is. It's just a beet that's extremely sweet. And, and this is the complicated means for making it. You take sugar beet, you chop it up, you boil it uh, until it's just mush. You scrape the crap off the top, you set that to the side, you don't throw it away. 
because all kinds of stuff is going to bubble up to the top. And then you boil it and you boil it and you boil it and then you, you work the solids out of it. And then you, you get rid of the solids. And you take the foam that you originally had and by now it's dried out because hopefully you spread it out a little bit. And then you can reintroduce that because it's got a lot of sugars in it. And then you do this again and again and again until basically you boil all the liquid out of it and you keep scraping off the, the funky stuff. And then what you're left with is sugar. You just spread it out and let it dehydrate and it'll crystallize and you get sugar. Yes. That is, it's, granted, it's kind of a simplistic explanation, but if you follow this, you will, and you try it a few times, eventually you will see what I'm talking about. And you'll see, I have described it as clearly as possible, even though I did not describe it as clearly as possible. Yes. And I am all, I actually do advocate more for honey and like maple syrup, birch syrup, tree syrups, partly because they're just better. I think they taste better. They have more vitamins and minerals, but it's also symbolic. I mean, you're eating, you know, tree blood and transformed sunlight. Well, and what is syrup except for basically it's maple sap that's boiled. It's tree blood. Yeah. It's just tree blood that's, that's boiled and boiled and boiled and you... That's how you make burnt syrup. Can you add sugar to it? Yes. Do you have to add sugar to it? No. Can you add honey to it? Yes. Do you have to? No. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you really want, you can you can throw out no blueberries in it. You you don't have to, and I'd think that you're probably a little weird, but who knows? It might be delicious. Um, but. Yeah, mo- a lot of these foods, it's actually, you just take the, the base ingredient and just boil the shit out of it. Yeah, it's weird that, isn't it? Yeah, and, and of course you got to stir it as you're boiling it. So, uh, because I've actually partaken in making making maple syrup, and we did add sugar to it, but the reason that we added sugar to it was to speed up the process. You, you don't have to do that, and it does make it taste a little bit sweeter. So, mm, yeah, no, maybe so. You can add butter into it. Uh, salt. I, I mean, really, you can go freaking nuts with it. But the basic there is such make a syrup. thing as maple butter, and it's uh, it's really tasty. It, it is. It is. Um, you can do it with uh, spruce, but uh, I don't recommend it. I've heard birch syrup's really freaking good. Birch syrup is really good. So is maple syrup. The other syrups, um, uh, less so. Less so. Less so. But you can make syrups from just about any tree sap. As long as it's not a straight-up poisonous tree. Like, do not do this with hemlock. Never do this with hemlock. Uh, How about never do anything with hemlock? Preferably, unless you know what you're doing. Because hemlock is a good tree for... uh, for wood, but it's it's dangerous. It is. It is. Uh, I don't care if it's the biggest hemlock tree in the world. It is hemlock, and hemlock is a poisonous plant. Uh, beach syrup. That's another one. Yes. Uh, yeah. Beach. That was another one I was going for. That's actually good. Uh, walnut syrup. I believe spruce syrup you can actually use as a cough medicine. Yes, and it tastes a lot like a cough medicine. That's why I don't like the taste of it. But yeah, you can make syrups from just about any northern tree. I'm guessing you can do it from just about any tree. Just make sure it's not a poisonous tree. CG tip of the day. Welcome to the cooking show. Um, But (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, we're 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 buzzing in right at the last few minutes. Um, I'm going to, as I mentioned before, I'm going to have to upload this the the long slow way, but um, it is what it is. And uh, it looks like we're buffering anyways, at least on my screen. I'm hoping that we're not, and that's just my computer being stupid. But uh, anyways, let's go ahead and uh, and start getting out of here because I want to uh, see how far Aether Wolf's gotten on this magazine because I'm hoping that we can have it sent in this weekend. This weekend okay. meaning today. I shall just go first then and say, uh, fun stream. We need to do more of those. It's so hard for us sometimes. We uh, we tend to focus on the serious. So. Hopefully we can keep bringing the fun on Sundays. Thanks for having me on, guys. See you next time. And to our audience, everybody try to get out and enjoy the spring a bit. Yeah, and uh, it, was, yeah, it was good fun. Maybe I brought a few heavy topics up that, uh, yeah, even though it's a Sunday, but something to think about, right? And it ended on a very light note, and that's, uh, that's a good thing. And, yeah. With that said, I'm going to bid you all a good day and uh, to the next one. Alright, and I will go ahead and say, it may seem like we got ridiculously off topic today. <laughs> Ended up talking about food. But here's the thing. What are the three main components of a celebration? Food, fire, and family. Or just people. And we talked about all of those. So celebrate, have some fun. Spring is in the air, the birds are singing, the foxes are fucking, everybody's just having a good time. Enjoy the time we've got. We never know when things might get crazy, we never know when things can get bad, we never know if things are going to be better or worse, but enjoy it. Enjoy that the bread that your wife makes, enjoy the time with your family, enjoy the little moments by the fire, and celebrate. Rebel. Enjoy it. You're alive. Enjoy it. Tower. Uh, I just want to say, yeah, it was a fun stream. Got a little <coughs> off topic, but that's okay because it was good. It was a good conversation. And I'm really glad to be able to be back and being on this show with you guys. And uh, this Friday, I will be back on Sisters of Eos at 12 noon Eastern time. I'm really looking forward on to Fridays. it. On uh, Fridays. It's really good. On Fridays, I am very glad to be back, and I hope everybody's having a wonderful spring day. And like Tao said, get out and celebrate and enjoy. Just enjoy. Have a great day, guys. All right. Yeah, and uh, I'm going to shoot out of here. I'm just going to remind everybody, it, it's springtime. It's not full-on summer yet. Uh, get outside. Enjoy, this, uh, enjoy spring. Start letting the sun kiss your skin so that you don't get all burnt up come summer because... She's she's sometimes an, an angry goddess, and she'll burn the shit out of you if you haven't gotten out there in the springtime. So get outside, run around, play, enjoy, and enjoy it, and enjoy the spring with your family, even if they're not 100% on board. Um, inspire and inspire our people. So I'm gonna wrap up with saying glory to the people, and remember, we are the gods of the future. chance for to roam and stroll through the fields by the side of the grove.
It is there I did hear the harmless birds sing And you never heard so sweet And you never heard so sweet You never heard so sweet as the birds in the spring At the end of the grove I sat myself down and the song of the nightingale echoed all around. Her song was so charming, her notes were so clear. No music, no songster. No music, no songster. No music, no songster can with them compare. All you who come here, the small birds to hear, I'll have you pay attention, so pray all draw near. And when you're growing old, you will have this to say, that you never heard so sweet, that you never heard so sweet. You never heard so sweet as the birds in the spring. Oh, thank you.